Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, hello. I, uh, uh, you know, I, I usually come to this with uh, some nice things to say or uh, some idea of how to start. And I thought we would talk about the game we played last night with <laughs> only two players. You and I, we played uh, a game at the Ottawa Curling Club. Why, why don't you tell the people how it went? It was an interesting game. Uh, you know, I've I've played with two before in doubles play, both scotch doubles, mixed doubles. I've played with sure. two. Don't think I've ever played with two in a four-person style game. So this year at the Ottawa Curling Club, they put a rule into place because spares uh, are limited based mm-hmm. on the protocols that are in place. You're allowed to play with two players. We only had two players available last night. The other team, somewhat interesting, they only had three. So only five mm-hmm. people were on the sheet and the rules for playing with two is one person throws the first two and the fifth and sixth stones. The other person throws that what would be the second position in the fourth position. That was me. Cause I'm in the skips role in our skip to you lose. And uh, we put up some points, Scotty. Did we ever Sean? I think we got two ends of four points yeah. each. Uh, yeah, one, a steal. One, one a- was a steal. Yeah, and uh yeah cruised cruised to an easy uh early night yeah we played more ends than we probably would have otherwise just because it was our first time back the other team wanted to keep playing and mm-hmm. we certainly didn't object to that some tough ish shots along the way i think the biggest shot for me personally first end was my the last shot of the first end they were sitting mm-hmm. one i threw probably what was top four maybe half in the top four out of the hand you were able to sweep it back to the back four to tap the other one about two inches and it went from them sitting one dust getting two yeah just far enough sean and that was the you said that at the time it was the classic oh uh, throw this uh, as a draw and if the sweepers can take it we'll take it and uh i took it i'll tell you what uh my arms are feeling a little tired today (laughs) uh also my legs also my back and my core so uh i think i was sweeping properly that's good uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it was a good, uh, good workout. Good to get back on the ice and feel it under the slider. You know, uh, it's been a while for yeah. us here. So, uh, happy to be back doing that. And it puts us in a good frame of mind looking forward to the Olympic curling that's coming up. Yeah. The Olympic curling starting in, I don't know, like 13 hours or something from when we're recording this or maybe a lot or maybe more, a little more than 13 hours. As we yeah. record this, the mixed doubles curling competition kicking off Wednesday night in Beijing, Wednesday morning here in North America, 10 teams are there, have landed as far as we know. Nobody has triggered any positive tests from the mixed doubles. Some reports of a people in the four person teams maybe have, have triggered some tests, but seems as of right now that the 20 players will be the 20 players for the mixed doubles. Saw a couple of tweets from Rachel Holman that they made it into the facility for some practice. So uh, everything's looking good there. Uh, interestingly enough, it is still listed on the Olympic website as the national aquatic center. They haven't changed the name for the Olympics mm. for this, but the way they changed what BC place during the Vancouver Olympics to Canada hockey place 
I thought they would do something weird like that, but no, it's still the National Aquatic Center. Yeah, that was uh, the old GM place, which became yeah. Canada Hockey Place, which is now Rogers something. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I think BC Place uh, was was still BC Place. The Bird's Nest is still going to be the Bird's Nest. Uh, yeah, I believe it's called games, the National Stadium, though. I don't think it's called the Bird's. I don't think that's the official name. Oh, right, because that would be weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For, for it to be some English name. Uh, it's our <laughs> nickname for it, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and this, of course, is going to go back to being uh, the National Aquatic Center yeah. after the winter game. So yeah, the, the venue looks good. We've seen a lot of pictures, you know, uh, the athletes getting there, uh, getting their tests done. Uh, like you say, everything looks good for the mixed doubles. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. So as I said, 10 teams are participating. So 20 players are there in Beijing getting ready to kick things off. Round Robin, nine games being played over 12 draws of mixed doubles play. The gold medal game will take place a week from tomorrow or today. I can't remember. It's about a week of currently uh, seven days uh, of actual competition here at the mixed doubles kicking off, of course, before the opening ceremony, which is on Friday night over there in Beijing, Friday morning, of course, here in North America. So, Scott, we have tiers. We've created tiers for the 10 teams, and we want to go through and look at what would constitute a successful week for each of these 10 teams. And we're going to go based on these tiers that we have established. So let's start with the bottom tier of this event. And these are teams that you wouldn't really expect to be in contention at the end of the week. And if they can make the playoffs, it would be a great upset. So let's start with the team making their debut in curling at the Olympic Games. That is Australia. Dean Hewitt and Talia Gill will be representing Australia. They, of course, qualified at the final qualifier event last year, late last year. John Morris, of course, the coach for that event. Not so much the coach for this event. It'll be interesting when those two teams match up. Uh, they did go undefeated at that qualification event. They were fourth at the 2019 Worlds. Dean Hewitt has played in other events, uh, but the two of them together, their best result was in 2019 at those mixed doubles world championships. Scott, during that Olympic mm-hmm. qualifying event, Great numbers, great peripheral numbers, which is going to happen when you don't lose any games. But 83% power play efficiency. They scored 15 points on six power plays. That's two and a half per. That led the field there in that last chance qualifier. So if you can pull that off over the course of the week, they're going to be in good shape. But I I don't know. What do you think counts as a successful week for this team? Probably being in the mix for playoff contention, right? You don't expect it, really. Uh, you know, we had two teams come out of the uh, last chance qualifier, and we'll talk about the other one in, in a bit. But you would expect those teams then to be like in, in, you know, they're happy to be there building on something, right? So if by about halfway through this event, they're still keeping their heads above water and sniffing the playoffs, then I think that would be a, a pretty good result for them. And I'm looking at their schedule they start off uh, with the Americans and then have the Chinese and then the Czechs. So they do have a chance to, you know, get their feet under them, get a good start early. And so, yeah, if by the time we're talking about them, you know, neck on the weekend mm-hmm. and they're 
not mathematically eliminated, I think uh, that'll be pretty good for them. Yeah, I would sort of highlight draw eight for them that they finish with the Swiss and the Canadians, two of the top teams in the field. So if you're looking Mm -hmm. at the end of draw eight and they're still in contention for a playoff spot, that's going to be a good week for them. Kind of curiously, the the way their schedule breaks with their buys, having draws three, nine and ten off. Uh, sort of curious mm-hmm. in, in how the schedule broke for them in that regard. But yeah, if you're coming out of dry in a good position or in position to still have a chance at the playoffs, uh, I think that would be a great week for them. And, and that'd be considered a success in addition to the success they've already had just from getting there, which mm-hmm. from all accounts means a dedicated facility in Australia. They won't have to spend all their time in Canada necessarily to practice. So yeah. it's, it's a great step forward. And if they can win a few games, that'd be a, a, a wonderful thing for the sport down under yeah for sure we'll, we'll have to look at that uh, draw five six seven is is really their gauntlet they've got sweden then great britain then norway yeah. uh how they come out of that you know will will dictate the rest of the event for them all right let's move on scott to the hosts chinese squad they will be represented by ling ji and fan suyuan they are a new team have not played together. So the way China decided on its mixed doubles rep is they had a trials in December of 2021. So later in the month where they had individuals come and basically just tried out different partnerships and played games and decided who they thought would be best. It's kind of a curious strategy that late in the cycle, but that's event. That's according to the uh, information on the official Olympics website. That's how they decided to make that decision. So they have no international experience together. But Su Yuan was part of China's B team that finished second in an event in Brantford in 2020, playing the likes of Kelsey Rock in that event, sort of a mid-tier mm-hmm. event. And Ling Ji has played in the mixed doubles World Championship before, finished ninth in 2021. With Yang, with excuse me, with Ying Yang, uh, and he was twelfth in the field of men's players at seventy-four and a half percent. So, uh, not the greatest of track records, but he has some experience at least. Whereas Ling Ji will be coming into this with no experience. So, Scott, what do you expect from this side? Yeah, that's real tough, Sean, to come into an event of this caliber with no experience playing together. Right? That's that's crazy. Like we we've talked about a lot of associations, you know, well, they'll put their teams together, but they didn't don't do it a month before the event. And then say, ah, you don't need to play. Uh, just <laughs> go out there and, and throw. So that's going to be really tough. The, the communication style between them. I mean, they've, they've had time to train together, but once you get out there on the ice uh, with the time clocks ticking, all that stuff, uh, it's going to be a little different. All that said, I wouldn't expect them to to be challenging for the playoffs in this event. Uh, can they win two games? Maybe three? Yeah. What What do you think? I think if they go over two and a half, so if they get to three, I think that's a good week for them. Uh, you mentioned the, the communication style in the quote on the Olympic website from Ling. It says, he says essentially like, when I'm comfortable with somebody, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I can get, I'm outgoing. Like our communication is really good. And when I'm playing with a new player, it's harder for me. And I thought, well, that's not a great sign uh, that your no. player is, is saying this uh, going into <laughs> an event with a new player. So it is a curious choice. And because of that, it, yeah, it doesn't lead you with a, a lot of confidence 
for this team going into it. Uh, and as I said, with that 12th or ninth place finish in the 2021 worlds, and he was 12th on the men's side in, in terms of throwing. Yeah. Does make you wonder how they will be able to hang with some of these top teams. Yeah. Considering all of the great shot makers we've got, uh, yeah. uh, that might be tough. All right, let's move on to the final team that we have in our bottom tier. That is the Czech Republic, represented by Thomas Paul and Zuzana Palova. They, Scott, made it in with a great performance at the 2021 World Championships. They were quite good overall, but I noticed a couple interesting statistical anomalies for Zuzuna. Mm-hmm. that in 2021, she was 70% throwing out turns, 77% throwing interns, and 38% on out turn runs. Mm-hmm. And that it's, it could be just a statistical anomaly. And certainly on the out turn runs, she only threw eight of them. So that's a really small sample size. But a 7% difference, out turn to intern, that could be a notice of a tendency or it could just be a weird week. But that's something I noticed because overall during the week, they did play quite well. They got eight out of 10 last rock draws that they won. So they had the the hammer in the first end, eight of their 10 mm-hmm. games, 83% power play efficiency. And that included a blank uh, that they had. So it's, it's not wow. even just getting, like, so I'm probably a defensive use of the power play there. But, you know, so those peripherals are good. It's just that one statistical anomaly that I, as I was going through the numbers today, I just found that for Suzuna and I thought, ooh, maybe that could be a concern. Could some teams try to capitalize on that potential difference between her in and out turn? Yeah, that's uh, definitely something to look for. Uh, this team, they they beat the U.S. to get in to that last Olympic qualifying spot from the, the world championship field. So, you know, they weren't solidly in the playoffs. They still had to win that one game. And when they did, Sean, we all remember the huge celebration that they had, you know, yeah. uh, so happy to be there if they put together these strong numbers that they have in the past, that they've got a chance to win a, win a few games. I think it would be unrealistic to expect them to be over 500 uh, right. uh, in a field like this. But, you know, if they can get to four, they can get to four and five. You got to mm-hmm. feel pretty good about yourself. Uh, so. <clears throat> that'll probably mean that there's some surprises among teams that we're going to talk about later, you know, falling down a bit, but uh, that would be a pretty solid week for them. I think even if they get three, three wins under their belts they'd be pretty happy i agree i think three for them would be a good number and uh, so i would put the over under at maybe three and a half and probably give better odds for the over uh if i was setting a line on this but uh, yeah it's you know it's great for them it's it's great to have again another rep another country represented in the olympic games that is always exciting so whenever they win a game i don't think they're going to get skunked here Uh, i don't think anyone gets skunked that's maybe a bold prediction nobody gets skunked but It'll be great. It'll just be a, a fun thing. I'm sure there'll be some big celebration. Maybe not as big as when they qualify, but uh, good for them, and it'll be fun to see them there. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on then to the middle tier of teams. Scott, let's start with a team that maybe should be higher than where I have them in the, the middle tier. Maybe not a top-tier team, but higher within the middle tier. That's Italy, Represented by Stefania Constantini and Amos Mosaner. Of course, Amos will be participating in the four-person events with Team Italy. Scott, in the 2021 World Championship, Stefania was seventh amongst the women, throwing 73.9%. Amos was fourth amongst the men at 81.4%. Interestingly enough, though, 
for Stefania, 58% on her hits in the 2021 World Championship. That number is going to have to increase. Now, what's curious, though, when, when you look at the percentages between men and women in mixed doubles, assuming that the woman is throwing first and fifth, which, which sort of has become the orthodoxy at mm-hmm. this point, the woman is therefore throwing what is often the easiest shot of the end and the hardest shot of the end. And yeah. uh, it's a very strange dynamic of that. So if you're looking at 58% for Stefania on her hits, those are all going to be the last shot of the end for the team. And that's not a great number there, right? You're, you you want that to be yeah. higher, right? You, you can You can maybe stand draws to be potentially a little lower because if you miss those first ones, it's not necessarily as important, even though it is important, but hits when it's mm-hmm. all, all those hits are coming at the end of the end. The uh, end. You, you certainly, yeah. you're, you're not going to feel great with that percentage. No, for sure. And yeah, like they're not throwing hits on the first rock. So yeah, th- those are sort of zeros or fours, you know, come that last rock of the end. So yeah. uh, that's a tough, tough thing to overcome. That said, Amos in the middle, he's got great big weight ability. Uh, also got a good touch. Mm-hmm. They were seven and two in their pool, right at the at the world. So uh, they've got the ability to to beat anybody. Uh, I think the only teams they lost to were Canada and Scotland. There, so th- I think this uh, is maybe a bit too low to talk about them. Maybe we're going alphabetically within these tiers. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I this is this is one of these teams that I would say is a one, one of my dark horses for the playoffs. If they get off to a good start get get rolling a bit get feeling it uh if Constantini's got her draw weight down and doesn't have to play too many big weight hit hero shots if uh, Amos can keep keep it relatively open uh for her for her shots I think uh I think good things could happen yeah I, I think though Scott there's a couple peripherals that make me concerned from that 2021 world championship They Mm -hmm. were only 27% in the hammer efficiency. That's not a very good number Mm -hmm. when you look at the field. Uh, The the hammer efficiency is much higher in mixed doubles than it is uh, in the traditional four-person game. And only 14% Mm -hmm. power play efficiency. That was the worst in the field. And it was much, much worse than any other team that was in contention for the playoffs. I believe Russia was the next worst at 17%, uh, but they weren't really in contention so uh, of the teams that were playoff contenders uh, everyone was in the, f- the the worst of those other than italy was in the 40 50 percent uh, and yet some teams as we talked about with the checks in the 80s so right. that's a number that's not going to be sustainable over the course of the week so those peripherals make you a little concerned and they're going to have to improve upon those yeah yeah uh that's for sure that's for sure All right, let's move on then, Scott, to another team here in the mid-tier from the United States of America. Chris Plies and Vicky Persinger will be representing the United States. They are there. They are through quarantine. Chris has had some very entertaining tweets. Uh, Apparently, he got to the the apartment that the men's team, that team uh, Schuster is sharing together, sort of a four or five bedroom apartment. They're all going to be there. He had it all to himself and was making the most of that uh, based off of his (laughs) social media posts, uh, having a good time uh, in there. Now, Scott, at the last chance qualifier late last year, they had the last rock in six of their seven and games. That is a good sign for them. And they only gave up mm-hmm. scores in 19 ends 
So in seven games played, the other team only scored in 19 ends. That's less than three a game. That's pretty darn good in a version of the sport where points are being scored 99% of the time. So you're limiting the amount of scores that you're giving up. Only nine multiple scores against in the entire event. A very impressive performance by the Americans. Yeah, very impressive. And and they, of course, won the American uh, mixed doubles trials to be the representative that would go to that last chance qualifier event and definitely prove their medal uh, there. This team is not going to be happy. I don't think unless they make the playoffs at this, uh, at this Olympic event, uh, a medal is obviously what every athlete is going for, but the way that they played at that last chance qualifier, yes, the level of competition is a little bit more here, but they're both great players. And I don't think they'll be happy unless they're in the playoffs. What do you think? No, I agree. I think playoffs here for the Americans is is what they will constitute as a successful week. I, I don't think missing the playoffs is is good. We should note too that it is the four team playoff. There was a report. Yeah. There was a, it was an erroneous report uh, from the World Curling Federation. So I'm, this isn't me blaming a reporter. This is the WCF and the Olympics put this out in error that it would be a five team playoff with the first place team getting a buy somehow. I, that's it never made sense uh, in, in sort of how it was presented. That story has since been corrected uh, by the World okay. Curling Federation. So it is the top four teams that are going into the playoffs. So yeah, if they finish fifth, I think that'll be a, a considered a disappointment for them. And they're going to be looking at the playoffs. And obviously, once you're in the playoffs, 75% of the teams there get a medal. Uh, but yeah. uh, you know, even a fourth place finish, I think, for them would be certainly disappointing in the moment but something that you could look back on and say, hey, that's another step forward for American curling. Of course, especially given that uh, they were unable to qualify out of the mixed doubles worlds in yeah. in 2021. So to go from being like on the outside, having to play in a last chance qualifier to being a team that's in a position to make a run at the playoffs, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good step for US curling. And that's what they'll be aiming for. Now, of course, it wasn't Chris Blyes and Vicky Persinger at the World Championship. No, but, no, you know. But for a, for a, you know, uh, an association. Yeah, for the association, it is a, a good step forward. All right, yeah. Scott, let's move into the final team that I have in the mid tier. Certainly, a medal contender out of Norway, Magnus Nedgraten and Kristen Skaslian representing the Norwegians. Some familiar names there. At the 2021 World Championship, Kristen was fourth in the field at 78.5% amongst the women. Magnus second amongst the men at 85.5%. Great peripheral numbers and scoring numbers, Scott. They outscored their opponents by 38 points at the World Championship. 62% hammer efficiency, 89% efficiency on the power play. Those are some phenomenal peripheral numbers and you know if you're going to outscore people over the course of 12 games by 38 points you're going to win a lot that is uh, analytics right there so uh, yeah sean this team i i don't know what business it has being in the mid-tier but uh you made the tiers <laughs> and uh that's how it goes uh, definitely a, a threat for a medal they're they're mixed double specialists yes they do play in the four-person game as well but i i think this is their bread and butter uh from those numbers you said really 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 solid and I'm getting choked up talking about it. No, I just got something. You're getting throat, very but... emotional about the Norwegian <laughs> team here, Scott. Like, man, oh man, you're all in your feelings about Christian and, and Magnus here. 
I'm like, I'm like Drake. I'm so in my feelings, right? Uh, but, I didn't realize you uh, had such a strong connection to them. <laughs> <clears throat> no, this, this team, they've definitely got what it takes to win a medal at the Olympics because I think they've done it before. So mm-hmm. yeah, for them to not like, if they don't win a medal, they'll be disappointed, right? They've been medalists before they've been on the, on the podium. They know what it's like. That's what they're going to want. And I don't really see any reason they can't. I, I'm looking at their draw. They've got like Great Britain last, Sweden second last. They like they're they're sort of back, uh, back loaded with a bunch of tough games. So they're they're gonna have probably be in the best form for those uh, t- more difficult games. So that th- they definitely are threatening threatening for the playoffs. Yeah, and as you said, they are the. Bronze medalist from 2018 in Pyeongchang in Korea there. They did make the playoffs. They were four and three. Actually, a lot of people were four and three. Uh, Russia, mm-hmm. Norway, China, all tied at four and three. They get in the four spot, lose to Caitlin Laws, John Morris in the semifinal, and then beat the Olympic athletes from Russia, as they were called at the time. Uh, nonsense. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, in the bronze medal game. So they do have that bronze medal coming in. I, I do think that yeah, a successful week for them is a medal or is a medal, but I don't know if they stack up with the other four. That that's sort of the question. That's why I have in the mid tier. I don't know if you can have a, a tier that has half the teams in it. That felt like too big of a tier for me. Fair. So if I was going to drop a team from those four, I think this would be the the fifth of those five teams. I don't mean that as disrespectful because you got some of the best players in the world in the top five or in the mm-hmm. top four, excuse me. So uh, yeah, I, I, there's certainly a threat, no question, to not only win a medal, but to win the gold medal. But I think for them, or, or the way I would look at the week for them is in this field, I think this this is a deeper, tougher field than it was in 2018, uh, that winning a medal for them would be a success, independent of what color that is. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure true, that it would be a medal that they're looking for for success, and nothing short of that. Yeah. All right, let's move into the top tier then, Scott, a success for each of these teams, if you were to give them true serum before the event started, to me, is the gold medal. And that all four of these teams are shooting for gold. And while in the moment, they'll be, if they win another color, they'll be like, yeah, that's great. We want a medal. But like going into it, they're thinking we're we're gold medal. We're going for the gold medal. We're not here to make the playoffs. We're yeah. not here for another color. We are here to win the gold medal. So let's start with the Swiss side. Represented by Martin Rios and Jenny Perret, longtime Swiss representatives in mixed doubles, past world champions, and the 2018 silver medalists. Uh, that game against John Morris and Rachel, and uh, not Rachel Holmes, excuse me, against uh, John Morris and Caitlin Laws got a little out of hand in 2018, uh, a 10-3 final. Yeah. But yeah. they are back, and uh, they've had a pretty good quad. If you look back at the 2021 World Championship. Not great on the peripheral numbers, 47% hammer efficiency, 44% on the power play. Maltin was sixth in the field on the men's side at 80%. Uh, Jenny was pretty good at third on the women's side, 78%. But if you look at some of the, uh, again, some of deeper into those numbers, again, for Jenny, 71% on hits. So similar to what we saw with Stefania, mm-hmm. not, not great when you're throwing a little lower on those shots that are definitely coming at the end of the ends. And for Martin, yeah. he was 73% outturned draws. Uh, so a little curious hmm. uh, anomaly for him during the week back in, uh, in the spring. But Scott, I, I don't know, like 
they're really good. They have experience. They've seen everything. They've been in a gold medal game, world champions. Like this, the only reason I would think they're still playing is one, I'm sure they love it and enjoy it and blah, blah, blah. But they're here for a gold medal. Like they're playing to win the yeah. Olympic gold medal. That's what's left for them in their career. Yeah. And it seems to me like in, I guess for most mixed doubles teams, when you stumble is when the last rock thrower is having a tough game. Sure. Uh, right. And so given how consistent all of these teams are going to be, it's, it's those little stumbles that we're going to be looking for uh, that, you know, just like a little bit of a roll, a half inch too much on, on a hit with your last or a draw that goes slightly through or just comes up a bit short. Uh, that's going to be the difference between these four teams. And uh, Jenny at the mixed doubles worlds last year, they played in the uh, two versus three crossover game against Canada and she shot uh, 67%. So mm. when it comes to the big game, if she's going to have to perform and yep. uh, that's going to be the key, I think Martin is going to have to set her up, right? Set her up for success. Uh, he wasn't that strong in that game either, but uh, if they come up against a team that's shooting well, they're going to have to match it. They're, they're, there's not a lot of room for error. No, no. And the other thing for this team, particularly with Meltin, is can he keep his composure? He's he's a little, mm. you know, lit up out there sometimes, right? And uh, can he can he keep it so that even when he's upset and frustrated, it's channeled in the proper way, and it's channeled in a way that leads to success. And they've played together for so long that I'm sure Jenny knows how to to manage him when he's upset like that. But that that is something that we have seen yeah. before, where where his frustrations at times can impact his shots absolutely but uh like you say they've been at the top of the podium before in the worlds so mm -hmm. uh, that's what they'll be striving for this week yes all right so let's move on then to the next team that i have in this tier is the canadians john morris the 2018 gold medalist of course rachel homan making her second olympic appearance scott the question here is what is the story of this team is it a redemption story for Rachel Holman potential after 2018? Is it uh, John Morris going for his third gold medal? There's a great quote from him. He was asked between the 2010 gold medal and the 2018 gold medal, like, what's the difference? And he says, well, the beer tastes the same. So, like, there is no difference. Uh, which I thought was a very good quote from John Morris. Uh, is there a sweeping deficiency potentially on this team compared to the rest of the field? Uh, John Morris older than he was uh, Rachel Holman is not one who sweeps on her four person team. Uh, she's in phenomenal physical condition and is a good sweeper, but doesn't do it all the time. So I, I don't, I just don't know what the story of this team is going into the week. What do you think? Yeah, that's uh, it's the big unknown, right? They didn't play to get there. They've played together quite a bit. They're friends. I think they'll, their team dynamic will be fine. Uh, it's just a question of for Rachel having not succeeded at the Olympics in 2018. Is that something that's going to linger in her head or is it something that she can say, you know what? I had that experience. I know what it's like now. I'm better prepared. Uh, I'm going to be able to go out there and make that big shot. Even on the four person team, we've seen they've lost the last three Scotty's finals. Three, yeah. right? Yep. 
that's not something that was happening, you know, four, eight years ago for that team. They weren't missing those shots. So that's what it comes down to in my mind. Like John Morris, he's done it before. Yes, he's older. I, th- I believe he's the oldest Canadian athlete that's going to be there uh, at these wow. Olympics. That makes sense. Uh, at 43. So you don't, you, you don't have the horse riders there to bump up the age of athletes at the, the winter games. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's the only question, right? Like th- they've obviously got all the skill to do it. It's just about, is the moment too big? I would say probably not, but I would have said that before the 2018 Olympics for uh, team Holman as well. So. Yeah, the thing, though, for Rachel Holman that has come up before, like the first time she went to the Scotties, wasn't good, came back and won it. First time they went to the Worlds, wasn't good, came back and they won it uh, and didn't lose a game. So is this the case here, too? Uh, First time at the Olympics, didn't go so great. Now she comes back. Now, granted, it's not the same because it's not the four-person team, but she comes back now, she gets it, she understands, like, this is what goes into it, and then she's just going to go and get that FU Rachel Holman mode which is scary. Like when she, she gets Definitely. that look in her eye, really the only thing that could possibly throw them off is John Morris, maybe talking too much. If, if she gets that look <laughs> in her eye of like, I'm just going to make it get out of my way, which is palpable when you see it, like, you, you know, when she's in that mode and it's fun when it yeah, happens. And it's, it's great. She, she's in such a zone. I don't even think John talking could take her out of it. You know? <laughs> uh, it that would be great to see for that team. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're going in expecting to win gold. I, I think that they'll, they'd both be happy winning any medal, but they're going to want, want that gold. Yeah. And, uh, there's a bunch of people at curling Canada in the head offices there who are also rooting very hard (laughs) for a good performance from the Canadians for a variety of reasons. Not that they're not always rooting for good performances from the Canadians, but Mm -hmm. absolutely. Whoever is in charge of that social media account is really number one fan right now. Uh, Let's move on to Sweden, Scott. Uh, This is a fun team, I think. Oscar Eriksson alongside Almeida Deval. They, of course, did compete in the 2021 World Championship where they dominated. They didn't win, but they dominated. Almeida was the number one ranked woman by a lot. She was through 87.6%, which is an unheard of number. It's insane in mixed doubles. Yeah, uh, so she was first by a lot, uh, by seven percentage points over Jennifer Dodds, who we'll talk about. It's like the, it's just the 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 gap there is incredible. Uh, Oscar Erickson was the number one ranked male thrower. He threw eighty seven percent as well. They were plus forty three on the week, which of course was first. They didn't finish first in power play efficiency, only 71% there, uh, 63% hammer efficiency. But Scott, if they can throw up those type of numbers, it's not a question of if they'll win a medal. It's a question of will they win the gold? Yeah, absolutely. They got uh, off to such a great start that event. They they ran the field, lost the semifinal by one point, uh, and I... And, and then we're like, oh, and then we'll just beat Canada for the, the bronze, like by three points. It wasn't even close, really. So, yeah, yeah this this team, th- this is the team that I think if I was a betting man, I would bet on. And now I haven't listened to uh, the professor of Peel talking about betting lines for this, but I'm on sports interaction right now. Yeah. And they are at nine to one to win the gold medal. They're fourth in the field. Uh, hmm. 
which I think is great value. So uh, snag some great value there. (laughs) One thing to note uh, with Oscar Erickson, I've seen some times at Continental Cups where he has uh, gotten under the... (laughs) under the skin of some other players, uh, notably Rachel Homan telling him to uh, F off or something. Uh, I think she said, you're being a dick. I believe was the exact quote. um, That's the quote. Yes. 2019 Continental Cup. 2019 or 2020. You know, maybe maybe he gets in and uh, ruffles some feathers, uh, throws (laughs) some other people off their game. Who knows? So that might be a plus uh, on their, on their column. So, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, if they're not in the playoffs, this is a huge upset. Yeah, they're they're really good. They're a really good team. The The concern that I think people had going into the World Championship last year, that Almeida DeVal, just we didn't really know much about her, not a lot of experience on the international level, which is hard to get experience on the international level out of Sweden uh, when you have two top teams that kind of take up all the oxygen there. Uh, but she mm-hmm. obviously performed exceptionally well. And if she can carry that into the Olympics... Uh, that would be very good for this team. Question, of course, first Olympics, like how does that play out for her? Oscar's been there, of course, multiple times. Does that experience help out? And uh, we'll have to see, but very strong team for sure. Final team in the field, Scott. I think it's the favorites from Scotland, or I guess I should say Great Britain because we are now at the Olympic Games. Jennifer Dodds and Bruce Mowat, they, of course, are the defending world champions during that event, Jennifer was second in the field, as I said, at 80%. Bruce, 84.9% for third in the field. The power play percentage, not great, down at 44%, only 1.7 points per power play used. Again, you can use it defensively at times, but you'd like to see that number a little bit higher. But where they really shone in this field, Scott, they stole 17 ends only gave up four steals over the course of the week. They got 25 multiple scores and only gave up 14 multiple scores. That is efficient mm. curling and great scoreboard management. Yeah, absolutely. And and when you see a lot of steals and mixed doubles, it's usually the middle three rocks that are being set up really, really well. Uh, not as a slight to Jennifer Dodds or anything. She did play great in that event. But what you see is that, you know, she, if she's throwing guards, that's good, right? It's yeah. like in the four-person game. If the skip is guarding, you feel pretty good. At least I do when I'm skipping anyway. So It is a good uh, feeling. Have And having uh, Bruce Mowat, one of the best, maybe the best curler in the world right now, uh, throwing those three rocks in the middle really gives your team a huge advantage. Jennifer Dodds, when she plays in the four-person game, she can tend to have like a few mental mistakes, like uh, missing peels or... Uh, stuff like that. She's a lot better when she's uh, her shots are uh, maybe a little more complicated, I guess. Like it's, it's the peels that, that I've seen, you know, this is all anecdotal too. So take it for what it's worth, but, but that's what I've noticed about her. And so having Bruce there to be able to set up the shots to make them easier at the end, I think that's the key to this team's success, right? If, if Bruce is struggling, it's going to be a struggle for for Jennifer to make those uh, those more difficult shots at the end. Yeah, I mean Bruce Mout is arguably the best thrower in the world right now, and yeah, yeah. if he maintains that through this, then they'll probably win, and it'll put Jennifer in position to make shots 
or it'll make her shots easier. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and just in terms of the percentages of it, right? Like when one player is throwing three versus two, I mean, that's a lot more percentage of the shots. So if that person mm-hmm. is really carrying the play, it makes it so much easier for the the last rock thrower, which is why we see those percentages for the women lower because they're often asked to throw much harder shots. Yeah, I mean, they're usually zeros or fours, right? There's not a lot of... There's not a lot in between on those last ones. Well, I got a, I got, I got a little in between, right? So, yeah. but but like her, her shooting is going to be what it is. I'm not worried about like variations in her performance, really. I think she's a great thrower. Uh, it's just that having such an excellent player set you up, you know, makes makes your job that much easier and you're a lot more comfortable, right? Uh, having such a great setup. So uh, I agree though, this team is probably the favorite to win, Sean. They've been sitting, they've been in Sterling, you know, practicing for, for this event for a long time Mm -hmm. and uh, they should be dialed in. Uh, We talked in one of our other episodes about is Great Britain going to be able to do, you know, the triple gold. So you got to wonder if Bruce Mowat is thinking a bit about the four person game before the end of the, the the mixed doubles who knows uh so that might come into it but uh, this team they're such professionals that uh they should be the favorites going in yeah my concern would be the opposite is like late in the week on the men's if, if there's a deep run here they win a medal here that would be my concern right. just the fatigue as not not so much on the front end being distracted uh you mentioned the variation in performance one real oddity that i noticed in going through the numbers from that 2021 world championship on the outturn, both of them struggled relative hmm. to their overall percentage. So Jennifer Dodds threw 76% on her outturns, 85% on her interns. Bruce Mowat, 80% outturn, 88% intern. So kind of curious that hmm. the that that split was there. So I looked up just I was curious. So I went to the 2021 World Championship in the four person, and Bruce was 85-86 outturn to intern. And uh, Jennifer Dodds was actually better on her outturns in that event, 81 to 76. So it looks like it was just an anomaly for that week. Uh, but kind of curious. It, it really kind of it really stood out when I was going through the numbers earlier today. Mm-hmm. Like oh, they're both nine points, eight or nine points worse in the outturn. Curious. Weird. Yeah. I wonder I wonder if anybody will test that theory and sort of force them to the outturn side. Yeah, we'll, I mean we'll see the- in that first power play. Yeah, at the very least, yeah, on the power play, what what side do you choose to go to if you're the other team? Yeah. yeah. So. All right, Scott. As you said, four teams will be making the playoffs. But Scott, let's just do medalists here. Give me your podium, and how does it finish? So we're picking Pick medalists. the podium. Okay. Pick the podium. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, I, I just raved about Sweden uh, and, and yep. how I think they're going to win. So I'll go Sweden for the gold. Uh, Great Britain for the silver and Canada for the bronze. I'll be uh, pretty chalky. That is pretty chalky, I think. So I'm going to go with Canada to win the gold. I that that trend of Rachel Holman winning the second time through, I think, uh, mm. scares me to to pick anybody else. I'm going to pick them over Sweden. And uh, when they shake hands at the end of the game, Rachel Holman looks dead in Oscar Erickson's eyes and says, you're still a dick. Uh, and then I'll go with uh, Bruce Mout to win Bruce Mout and Jennifer Dodds to win the bronze medal for. Great oh, Sean, 
Oh, I apologize for my chalky picks. Is <laughs> he picks the same three teams in a different order? Yeah, that's right. The, well, okay, why, why don't you give me one? Who's your dark the horse? Sean? Fine. This the dark horse is Italy. I think dark horse is Italy. Yeah, for me, the dark horse is Italy for sure. I might yeah. even put a few shekels on them. They have the longest odds. They're they're at thirty six to one, the same as the Czechs. That's shocking. Now, I mean, this all has to be driven by who are people going to bet on, right? Yeah. Probably people that are going to this site are going to bet on Canada because they're Canadian and they want Canada to win. So, but 36 to 1, I mean, that's worth 10 bucks, right? Sure. Go for it. What the heck? We are not sponsored (laughs) by a a gambling uh, organization. But if you want a, a deeper rundown on the odds that are out mm-hmm. there. Uh, Ryan and Jonathan at Rocks Across the, across the Pond did do uh, a breakdown of the odds. Uh, I read it. It was a, a written piece that I read and they dark horse contender uh, that they went through and did. So ch- you can certainly check that out over on their social media link to it for uh, a deeper sense of what the odds are for this. If you want to lay down a couple of dollars on the mixed doubles in the Olympics. But again, we are not a sponsored, <laughs> a, uh, a gambling sponsored show. Scott just no. is going to gamble. <laughs> I, I think I have money in my account from that. Uh, yeah. I have got 30 bucks in my account from that uh, debacle that happened with the Olympic soccer. Right. Where yeah. I bet on both teams and then they technically and it, tied, and it, so and it could be an account with anyone. It could be an account with Cool Bet. It could be an account with Bet ninety nine. It could, it could be anyone who this account is with. You know, yeah, <laughs> I didn't wants, say which account it was with. If anybody wants to reach out, uh, you know, <laughs> whichever whichever company it is, it's great. <laughs> and the other ones stink. So uh, there you have that. There you go. <laughs> so that's it for this week's show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you have not yet, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, your likes, ratings, comments, all that good stuff. Helps other people find us, keeps the show growing. And do head on over to GameOfStonesPod.com. All of our past episodes are there, plus a link to the merch. Of course, all the merch proceeds are going to the Sandra Schmirler Foundation and Food Banks Canada. The Sandra Schmirler Foundation did have their annual telethon on Sunday. It was Sandra Schmirler Day at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. They set a goal of $750,000 for the day, and they surpassed that goal. Uh, a big rush late in the evening, I felt, because uh, after the afternoon draw, they were at about $400-ish thousand in that range. And I thought, ooh, they, mm-hmm. they might not get there. And uh, they did. Uh, over, I think, $770,000. Now, I shouldn't be like, oh, wow, it's kind of surprising. It was late in the day because that's when I did mine. It was late in the day. Uh, so, yeah. yes, I was with a lot of folks on that front. But uh, very exciting that they met their goal. And, of course, uh, we always say if you don't want any of the merch, that's fine. You can donate to any of these places. Or I, I also was one of the many people who reached out uh, and donated to the Shepherds of Good Hope here in Ottawa, Uh, this week Mm -hmm. and the Ottawa Food Bank because I live here. So uh, there's that uh, as well. So, uh, you know, reach out, be part of your communities, love each other, uh, build strong bonds. You know, we support that here. Absolutely. You can also follow us on social media at Game of Stones Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to let us know what you want to hear on the show, Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. So Scott, Olympics are here. Even if the opening ceremony is a few days away, 
This is what we lift all those weights for. You know, it's uh, been a long four years. We've been uh, doing our best, getting ready, getting prepped, and it's here. It's it's right around the corner. Can't wait. Yeah. So uh, enjoy the games, everybody. We'll be here with you along the way. Check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Game of Stones podcast. We're going to go live at some point during the Olympics. Uh, we'll give some advance notice of what that is, when that'll take place. Uh, and of course, we got Scotty's coverage, Briar coverage, the four-person stuff. We got previews and stuff planned for all that. So a lot going on in the world of curling, and we'll be here with you. And we hope you will join us for the journey. So until the next time we chat, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.